0: Welcome to Transforming the Trades, the podcast where we empower you to take charge and innovate your business. Whether you're a plumber, electrician, or any other trade professional, this show is designed to give you the tools and strategies you need to succeed. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to take your business to the next level with Transforming the Trades. Hey, Darren. Hey, Lynn. Welcome to our inaugural podcast with Transforming the Trades. I am honored that you are one of our very first guests. I respect your thoughts and your opinions of what's going on in our space. And I'd like for, first of all, let's introduce who you are to the audience. Sure. Who's the company and you're a little bit about your background. Sure.
1: Well, before I do that also, thank you. I appreciate it. I was honored too. So thank you. My name is Darren Dixon. Uh, I've been in the home services industry for 28 years, which, uh, is crazy that I could be that old. Um, but, uh, my company is called Fixify and Fixify is a, a company that is tech oriented, but it is really about creating change and bringing about a new era of home services from a consumer centric point of view.
0: That's very interesting. What's different about what you just said, as compared to the way that we operate today?
1: Well, if you think about the idea of consumer centricity, it it um, it kind of mandates you to think that all decisions are made from the consumer's point of view and the experience for the consumer. And having been in the industry this long, and and operating in a role for most of it that was geared around building national organizations everything that we did was geared around the contractor or it was geared around the technician or it was geared around the salesperson or or something to do with the contractor so it was always contractor first and technology has been the same way every bit of technology in our industry is contractor focused and understandably it needs to be very effective for the contractor to use and help create efficiencies and, 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 and transparent information for operations. But the difference about our approach was we asked ourselves if the consumer could decide what way would they have home services rendered to them? Is the way that it's being done that? And our answer was no.
0: Bingo. So that's really what transforming the trades is all about for me it's not where we're at and what we're doing today as much as where is it that we're going and why we're going to go there and the other part of it is is what's influencing us to move in that direction what's the change agent
1: so you know <laughs> so if you want to if you want to peer to the future then you have to understand the past because it is a continuum line and so Let's talk about just for a second. Let's talk about the past and how we even got to where we are. And that will help us start to chart a course for what the future looks like. And, and it also helps us understand where pivot points of change come in to cause a a different outcome. Yeah. So as we go backwards, then you have to look at some of the very influential generational people that were in the industry, like Jim Abrams and John Young, and some of the individuals like that who created business models that took the industry from being a service related industry. Because if you think back to heating and cooling specifically, and, and this plumbing goes back a bit further, right? Because plumbing was involved in homes earlier than air conditioning was. But, but let's talk air conditioning for a second. So homes didn't start having air conditioners installed in them on the regular till like the late sixties, early seventies. So as you started to approach the eighties, you were really, it had just been a repair business. And as we started to move into the eighties, you started to see certain leaders come up that were starting to realize that adding on and replacing air conditioning, add on replacement was going to be a thing. And there were leaders in the space that started to teach a retail mentality to, contractors and Jim Abrams and John Young and, and Ron Smith. And some of these people were, were that early group, right? Ruth King was there, right? And so generationally, you started to have a group of contractors that were being taught how to operate their businesses that way. And now, so take another generation out of that. That's where I come in. So 28 years ago, I come in as a straight commission salesperson. And so you've got the people that are in, in, in my generation and then from there we took some of their teachings and we advanced it to another level and we learned how to market more specifically promotionally around advertising to people who were starting to get ready to need to replace and right and then and then you take the generation that came from there like the the guys today that are out here that are still in that business model and they're still they've but it's changed a little bit they're now realizing rather than advertising promotionally to people who might be in the mindset of changing, we could advertise to people who need tune-ups or need repairs and let's focus on how we get those people to replace and let's sell. And so that is really what's gotten us to where we are today. And, And so that line, if we take that line and we follow it, what we see is that even where we are today, our feeling is that we have lost sight of the consumer services side of what we do and we focused on how can we get someone to go into a person's house and sell them a replacement not just that it is a natural cadence of when it needs to happen but how can we kind of pull the future into now and that has been a big impact on on the industry where we are today and now we've gotten to a place where in many cases consumers idea about what's going to happen when someone comes into their house to perform some sort of a maintenance is that really someone's coming here to sell me something.
0: Right. So we've changed the perception.
1: Yeah, we've become really more effective at teaching technicians to go into a consumer's home and sell them something. And it's interesting to me, and I'd be interested in what your viewpoint is on this, but our viewpoint on this is that the industry today values a person who's called a technician on their sales ability higher than their technical ability.
0: No, no, I see the same thing.
1: And so if it's supposed to be service related, but it's really sales related, it, it reminds me of my dad telling me when I was a kid about be careful where you go and get your car oil changed or a tune up on your car, because when you go there, what they're really trying to do is sell you everything under the sun. And our industry has gotten a black eye because of it. And, you know, the effects of that are far reaching with technicians. Now well, we wonder, well, why can't we get technicians? Why aren't younger people wanting to come into the trade? And it's because tradespeople have the same archetype as a salesperson does. And it's really salespeople that we've found that we dress up like a technician and say, hey, you could go in under this guise and sell three or four or $5 million of stuff a year.
0: So in your model, in the Fixify model, it's more consumer-centric. What changes that?
1: Sure. So it, it, it's really, you have to understand the financial aspect of why the industry is doing what they're doing today. And so as the cost of acquisition has risen, so let, let's, when, well, there, when there were only a few of us that knew how to market, right? You know, based on the mediums we had, there was no such thing as advertising on the internet. There was no internet. No, there was, there was no There was no social media. Mm-hmm. There was billboards, newspaper, there was yellow pages, and there was direct mail, right? Oh, and phone rooms. And phone rooms and phone rooms, so but those of us that knew how to do that effectively moved out ahead, and so the cost of acquisition was pretty low. Well, today, because generationally so many more people now, it's become the common way of doing things that we've driven the cost of acquisition up. So it really, it's really a mathematical equation, isn't it?
0: It really is. Yep.
1: It's a mathematical equation. So if I have a cost of acquisition of three, four, five hundred dollars, I can't go in and run a service call that brings in less money than that and have it pencil out it just doesn't pencil out so what's happened is we've driven the cost of acquisition up we're not retaining our customers and so we are forced into a growth ego cycle right that private equity's had an impact on growth ego i like that oh well, it's growth ego right yeah. it's, it's 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 not about it's nobody asks really about what your percentage of EBITDA is. Nobody asks what your retention rate is. Nobody asks that. It's about, I grew this much, this fast. And and that's what we are looking at and going, oh my God, I want to be like you. Right? So we're perpetuating this thing. And in the meantime, we are creating financial instabilities in the industry. And so you've got a very broken system. So So what is our viewpoint on it? Our viewpoint is, is that number one, you have to look at the right indicators. Most of us in this industry didn't create what we do. We learned it from someone else, right? So I'm, I'm just smart enough to look at the right indicators. And the indications that I see are that big multi-billion dollar companies are bringing a different service experience to consumers. And that that is what's going to continue to drive the future. So when you look at what does my average transactional value have to be to be able to continue to keep this growth curve that the private equity group or whoever expects from me, because I was valued on this year over year growth. And how did I achieve that year over year growth? And I didn't look at what any of the fallout of that year over year growth was. I have to maintain it or else I'm not doing as good of a job or uh, how, how does it make sense? Oh, and it so makes, it's a trap. It makes
0: sense. Yeah. So
1: they get in a trap. So that Average transactional value can be accomplished a different way. And one of the most impactful and important ways is customer retention and customer retention directly points to consumer satisfaction. And so consumer centricity, consumer satisfaction and retention all go together.
0: Well, in my experience, you ask my opinion, so what I see from our clients is top line growth so they're always looking for the next new customer they spend a smaller portion of their focus on retention and they they're very transactional they have a capacity problem mm-hmm. so they don't have enough skilled labor to service what they've actually sold we see that on an ongoing basis and they also have some other behaviors that aren't fitting to the consumer profile that is in the marketplace, driven primarily by the social media and internet, yep. and is that they want transparency with who they do business with. Yep. And that's everything from understanding a step-by-step diagnostic almost to include what's my price for doing that.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all.
0: Yeah. So I see, we see that we, you know, the business that we are in and we answer phones every day and we see between 25, 28% loss of leads because we just refuse to give a price.
1: You know, what I think is, okay, so that's that's a huge thing to say and let's make sure that we don't not talk about that, okay? No. So what I see is that we have tried to hold up certain individuals in our industry as influencers when what we're really saying is i want to be like you because i don't know how to be something else i don't what i am isn't as good as what i think i see you are right and so i want to be like you but what you're talking about is what the authenticity piece of it is is like in reality what we're doing is we have refused to become as operationally efficient as we could, which is systemic, because if you go all the way back to the quality of the workmanship is not there, period. And there are, you know, geniuses in our industry, like guys like Jim Bergman, okay, who has created technical tools to be able to, and can evidence this, okay? I highly recommend that you talk to him, okay? Jim Bergman from Quick. okay? Okay. They have technical tools that can evidence what I'm telling you. And that is is that at least 57 to 60% of the systems that are installed and operating in people's homes are not functioning the way that they're supposed to because the workmanship's not there. So, same thing with service calls is if you send a non-technical person there to accomplish something that's not being a comprehensive evaluation diagnosis of, of what a system's doing, it's like going to a doctor who just writes you prescriptions all the time. Right. So now you're living on prescriptions, you're not really getting to the root cause of what's really going on. So now you lead to a capacity issue. I can outsell what I can service. That's right. And I don't have people that really can service it right. And I have no tools in my hands. I have no tools in my hands today that are giving me an indication of how to properly plan capacity and what my retention is. And so now you have a disproportionate balance of, I advertise, 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 But I am out advertising my capability to even service or, or go see what I'm advertising because I don't have any tool in place to actually help me say, Hey, you know what, you need to back off on your advertising, or you need to add five more technicians. So it's systemic. Now to what you said about transparency, I think that there's not enough credence being played to, uh, given to how consumers want to do things in our industry. We give a lot of, I see a lot of excitement around ingenuitive ways to market, but yet we show up and we do things in an old and deteriorated way.
0: Well, you know, another interesting piece to this too, Darren, is over the three, four years, especially with the whole COVID thing, home ownership has went down. So we have less homeowners, more renters. Mm -hmm. That says to me more service work. That's what it says to me Mm -hmm. and less, and there's more, an appetite more to, uh, keep it running than to replace it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that either. And
0: it's, and it's, it's, it's the economics of it, you know, rent goes up, food goes up. Guess what? Something's going to be on the back burner. Mm -hmm. My experience for 40 years has been this goes on the back burner. I don't replace it. I fix it until I can't be fixed again.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I mean, all the indications are there, right? You hear it, you hear it all over the industry. You hear people saying, Oh, we're down, we're down, we're down. But the ind- but but the world's not down. I mean, no. It's they're down because it's a direct indication that the pendulum has already swung. And what you have is again, you've got very large multi-billion dollar companies that are changing the way they recognize the macroeconomics of it and they, and most of the people in our industry don't understand what macroeconomics is. So if you're looking at macroeconomics, then you understand that what we have to do is we have to be able to proportionally increase the cash flow of a household. If you don't increase the cash flow of a household, then you are you are going the wrong direction and inflation is is having a negative impact, right? Right. So, as our industry starts to look at macroeconomics, or if you think about macroeconomics as you're looking at our industry, then what you're going to recognize is that either A, we have to become far more operationally efficient so that we can continue the replacement cycle, but but at a much smaller gross profit, dollars, percentage, whatever you want. quantity versus quality. It's right. Right. And then we have to be able to bring a service solution to consumers that also pencils out for service contractors and that's so you ask me where do i see the industry in three years and then in five years where i see it is that there will be 20 to 30 percent of the contractors if not more that today think they're in a good place that will be out of business and the reason that they will be out of business is because they will go bankrupt and they will go bankrupt because the consumer will no longer continue to respond to the old advertising gimmicks that are happening in our industry in which we are not truly intending to deliver what we've advertised.
0: Creating true value to that consumer.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, think about yourself as a consumer. If you responded to an offer, but every time that that offer you, you, whether you went there or they came to you, it was really some second agenda. How often would you continue to do business with that person? Correct. And and the communication mechanisms that we have now with Nextdoor and, and all of these different social media platforms, people are open and very quick to talk about what they did and didn't like. And contractors are stuck in this bullshit where they have these services that are telling them, Here's what your customer service star rating is because they're filtering out the ones that, the con- that didn't say what they wanted them to say because Google reviews are now more of an advertising mechanism than they are really a consumer satisfaction machine. And so if I filter out the reviews that I didn't want to have to see so that the world sees me a certain way, and then I believe the ether or I've taken the ether and I believe it, that I'm stuck in a cycle that's going to drive me out of business so three years from now we believe that the most common way that consumers will get service to their homes is in a subscription product and every indication is saying that the problem is that the behavioral change necessary for a contractor to convert their business to that sort of offering is not easy it's not easy the behavioral change alone isn't easy But then there's also the mechanism of, in most states, you cannot legally offer such a product. And I'm not talking about have everybody on a maintenance agreement. We're talking about a subscription product that is how the consumer pays for their repairs. And that's not something that you can just put into place because there are laws that say that, you know, to offer some sort of a product that meets certain insurance tests you have to have certain kind of licensing and you have to have certain kinds of financial. Stability. Right, and you mm-hmm. have to escrow a certain amount of money. And, mm-hmm. and now again, you're talking about a big actuary table that most people don't even understand. However, studies say that 81% of consumers prefer a subscription product for their services in their home. And that 56% of the market is still available. So the inverse of that is that 44% of the market is no longer available. So when we start to ask ourselves, why is it getting harder? Why is cost going up? You can see the vicious cycle. So if
0: I'm a contractor today, how do I start thinking about this? What do I need? What's my checklist? What do I need to do to be prepared?
1: Well, I think you can't really be prepared until you understand and believe what the starting point for your business is, right?
0: Be educated.
1: First of all, you have to be able to really understand what is the impact of the way that we're doing business today on what consumers think about our business really what they think about our business retention will tell you more about what consumers think about your business than what you think your google reviews say and unfortunately i've never met a contractor even in the most sophisticated that i've talked to and and we're talking about like the top ones right that if you ask them what's your retention rate they look at you and they go yeah, you know, they're contractors, which means that they contract, which means that each year as the year starts over, they have to go out and recontract the amount of business that they did the year before. And if they want to grow, they have to contract more business and then they start over the next year.
0: Do you have any evidence of that? Do you have any data that talks about retention?
1: Yes. So, I won't say the name of the company, but a very large company was purchased for about 4 billion dollars in January. By a company that has about $890 billion of assets. And their indication is that, as I said, 81% of consumers want a subscription product, and that 85% of their subscriptions stay intact. There is no contractor that I've ever met, including myself, when I was in that part of you know my life. Like I didn't know. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I was get more leads, sell more systems you know, what's our average ticket? What's our turnover conversion percentage? What's our average? I mean, you know, same thing, same thing. And fortunately being able to come to a different vantage point, I was able to look at some different pieces of data and yeah. So, I mean, realistically, once these relationships get put into place, they stick, but there's challenges in them as they exist today. There's no, it's not hard to understand that for the consumer it's more cost effective to pay a subscription price, right? It's easier. I mean, it's like it's more... leasing your vehicle. Yeah. I mean, Kinda? I th- you know, no, I think you know what I think it's really more like. I think it's more like do I want to go down to the video store and have to try to find a video tape to rent, right? Okay. Or or buy yeah. or go and buy one and have to build this collection, this that I may watch once in five years, or do would I rather pay eleven ninety nine a month to Netflix? And I, anytime I want to watch anything, I
0: have the whole I just, library. I just
1: stream it, right? And so, you know, when we look at things like this, we ask ourselves, you know, we just use the Netflix example, so it's kind of an obvious one. But like, do if if you just had to answer really quickly, first thing that comes to your mind is, would you say that people prefer to call or inhale a taxi, or to get on an app and push a button and get a ride?
0: Oh, I know the answer to that.
1: That's an easy one, right? Uber we we already know it because because it's one out or do we believe that people prefer to make their own coffee before they leave for work or that they would rather go through a drive-through in which they've ordered a cup of coffee on an app and just drive through to pick it up which do you think they prefer
0: they're driving through the drive-through
1: consumer behavior is telling us that right mm-hmm. do you think that consumers prefer to have a technician come in their home and try to sell them a bunch of stuff or that they could have a transparent interaction with someone where they paid an, a certain amount per month and, and the repair is already covered, and uh, he says, "Okay, Darren, it's done. See you next time if you need us, just click the button
0: well, today in today's world, I mean homeowners are more conscious of budget as you know they've been in twenty years, and so it's they don't want surprises. The element of surprise for The consumer today is just not well received. They're not emotionally prepared. They're not financially prepared. And so that's what's driving this behavior.
1: I agree with you. The one thing that I hate more than surprise is manipulation. What I really don't want is I really don't want to feel manipulated in my home where I don't really know, I don't know. I I have to kind of take your advice for it. I have have to take your advice, right? And, or, or I can keep sweating and be miserable and have two or three more people, uh, come and one of them won't show up and the other one will show up and do the same. You know what I mean? I do. We're I trying do. to get our lives back. We, we don't have any room for chaos. Okay. Like friction. We don't, none of us want that. Everything we do in our lives is about how do we be, how can we be more, uh, streamlined? How can we make it easier? How can we do more in less time? And so the old model just doesn't fit anymore. And it doesn't matter that we're using social media and it doesn't matter that we're using online resources and all the stuff that we're doing to get customers. It's about once we get to their house, we're still doing the same thing. And so we believe that if you can make it faster, easier, and more affordable, you're disruptive because everybody has this, oh, well, you could be faster or you could be better, but you can't be more affordable. Or you could be affordable when you could be better, but you can't be faster. Like you got to choose two. I don't believe that you have to choose two. There's a lot of business examples in our lives right now that you don't have to choose two. You can choose and have all three. And when you do, they're disruptive. So
0: so tell us how Fixify is going to enable this consumer and how do others in our community learn more about Fixify?
1: So yeah, so like, what's the point, right? What's the point? Well, first of all, there's a big portion of the industry that we haven't really talked about that I think I should at least kind of tell you a little bit about before we, sure before I say that. And that's the way that we facilitate consumers to have the ability to replace systems in their home. And it's a very, that's another broken system. And so I think that, uh, Fixify's focus is on how do we create an environment in which people are able to proactively replace systems in their home, lower the cost, improve the effectiveness, increase the quality of the work and make people's lives easier.
0: That was my lease car example. I always want a new car.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's like, I mean, realistically, if you, when you want to get a new air conditioning system, it's not really cause you want to, it's because if you're proactive, it's because you feel that it's the responsible thing to do, mm-hmm. right? The people that are buying at the time of a, of a repair is uh, you kind of caught me and I wasn't ready and so now I got to do something, right? So number one, by giving consumers a more manageable service product to be able to use to have a longer period of time to choose between do I have to repair this and replace it is one answer. But the other answer is for those that are proactive, there is a real replacement cycle right i mean efficiency has a lot to do with it there's sure. a lot of changes coming in laws with electricity or electrification and you know manufacturers that are coming on the scene today that don't even make furnaces so okay and so with that being said the ability for today for a consumer to get the information they need to buy a new home comfort system for their house is a very painful process if you wanted to buy a new one and you were calling around to get a price, what are you going to hear most often on the phone? What are you going to hear? Sorry, can't do that for you. You're going to have to come out, right? And not only do we have to come out, but got to make sure that both homeowners are there and you know, and da, 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 well, why can't, why? nope, if you can't get them both there, call us when you can't, right? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. not that the experience today? Yes. And if I want to get three estimates so I can kind of try to make an informed decision, I have to go through that pain three times. That doesn't sound consumer centric to me, does it to you?
0: Well, not when people work and have kids and all this busy stuff in their life and have to juggle all these things. No.
1: I would never be so busy as to want to have to go through that three times anyway. Like mm-hmm. so not busy. <laughs> no thanks. But anyway, the point is is that as this has been known for a long period of time and and most people just don't want to accept it, is that the way that people buy systems for their home is gonna change. Period. And it's not because I say so, it's just because it is. It's it's inevitable, it's, it's behavior, right? So, okay. Now you say, so, so what is Fixify doing for this? The answer is bring to market very soon, a product that contractors can use to offer to their customers. That is a subscription product that will help them build MRR and ARR into their business. And, you know, if you're listening and you go, oh, well, that means that we have to use your software to run our businesses. That's not true. Um, that is, that's, that's something that we offer to contractors who need it. But really what we are is a business solution company for contractors and consumers. The subscription product will be available very soon by the first of the year.
0: Are we the first, is this the first announcement of it?
1: I have not gone on publicly and said this before. I'm so, a little
0: nervous now.
1: So, uh, so we've been we have a large partner that we have been working on this with, and the key to me, see, the thing about this, Lynn, is if you're going to create solutions that are good for everybody, you have to think about everybody in the process. And I understand contractors, and I know what they need. So it it, it doesn't help to just launch a product that doesn't help the contractor on the front end. Is and only kind of secures them on the back end. You need to be able to accomplish both. And no contractor in our industry that I know of even understands what happens to the value of your business when you have MRR and ARR. Oh, yeah. Right, because that's that's tied to retention. So a product that contractors will be able to use and a platform that their consumers can communicate with them on that helps streamline that process. The second piece to it is a product that contractors will be able to use and plug into their website that is a comprehensive conversion tool for replacement sales and not just did it generate a lead that now you send somebody over there to try to sell. It is literally a product that allows the consumer to complete a transaction on the purchase and re- for, of replacement for the heating and cooling system and the streamlined process on how to make that work right for everybody involved. That's what we spend the majority of our energy on.
0: So, a lot of education's got to be done to the consumer. What's, I don't think,
1: I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be contrary, but I don't think so. I don't think, contra- I don't think consumers, I think the thing that shocks consumers most is when you tell them that you got to send somebody to their house first before you can give well, them. Well,
0: but I think that's the expectation. So, now the consumer market, let's call it, you know, we're in Orlando, right? And they've got to learn that there's a different way.
1: But most consumers have never bought an air conditioning system. We just think that they have. We think that they think that. I don't think that way. I think that most of our customers in the next five years, because we're talking three and five yeah, years, three right? three and five, yeah. They're millennials. They've never bought an air conditioner. They don't know that you're supposed to have a bunch of people come to your house and sit down at your kitchen table and try to sell you things. It's foreign to them everything else that they're used to is click, click, click. Carvana, even if you don't buy it and have it delivered to your house through Carvana, the majority of people today are buying their vehicles after they've done the, the, the needful thing online. And I may have to go down to the dealership and actually pick it up and sign a piece of paper, but that's going to change soon too. And so I believe that if you look at most millennials, this concept of having someone come in your house and try to sell you something is foreign. So I don't think we have to re-educate. I think we just have to facilitate.
0: Just be there when it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Just be there and let them know that, just let them know, hey, here's how easy it is instead of having to go, oh, there's this whole new way. I don't think they understand how it's supposed to be anyway. So that's, you know, now if you've bought air conditioners in the past, which most people haven't. Now you and I are biased because we're in it, right? We're in it. We well, think, and
0: I've bought an air conditioner, so yeah. You but know, you're I've, also from the trade. Yes, I am, and but I can also feel the pain. So yeah, yeah. so
1: so I don't disagree with you, and 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 guess, and then we're also not saying that everybody wants to do it that way, mm-hmm. but a lot do, right? And the and what we don't know today is how many people would do it differently. If they already had the ability to do so.
0: Oh, I I think that is a profound statement and so true. It's hubris. That's why I asked the question, why, how do you educate? Because I think if they knew, Mm -hmm. they would just go, okay, I know what I'm going to do.
1: So our mechanism is, you know, through, we have, we have a very strong digital partner that we work with that uh, can help put this on your website. Basically, somebody comes to your website and they want to replace their heating and cooling system and that's what they're there to investigate. They can bring it all the way through to transaction. So that's, you know, that's the way to facilitate it is we look at websites differently than the rest of the industry does the rest of the industry. You can tell it just by the design of the website is it's like a blog more. It's like this informational bloggy thing that we expect you to do a bunch of reading. Consumers don't want to come to your website and read. Like if I want to read, I'll read a book. Right. And mostly we want to listen to books anyway, now than read them anyway. So I'm not coming to your website. I don't care about, Oh, there's a picture of your, you and your team standing in front of a truck. And most of them look like, you know, homeless and, and Oh, there's a picture of you holding your kid at your Christmas party. Like consumers don't care about that. We don't care about that. I, I'm not, I don't, I want to come to a website. And I want to do business. I want to come to a website. I want to do business. And every pixel on the screen should tell me a user story. And everything about that user story should tell me how fast, easy, and affordably you're going to solve my problem. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, isn't that what we're looking for?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I won't disagree. But my view on this, if I were owned a home services business, is that I would use this as a... A marketing strategy for my company. And I would change the way I market and I would make this my headline. This is how I do business with you. So then you're when so I'm right. talking about education, yeah, I'm talking about the education that can be, it's the, to me, that's the rethinking that's really a
1: shift because they time. don't market that way. Big time. And you know, so now you're getting me, you're getting me excited. So when you start to think about brand, I just laugh to myself all the time about these guys going, what do you think of my new brand? Look at my brand. Oh, I'm a brand builder. None of these companies have brands. None of them do. They have logos. They don't have brands. And I know that that's probably sounds like a little bit of like, uh, you know, people are going to get pissed off at me for saying that, but it don't really matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you, if you know anything about Real advertisers I'm not just talking about digital people who put your stuff together, or guys who build raps. I'm talking about real advertisers. They will tell you, you don't have a brand. For instance, uh, I heard this one recently, and this is really good. If Nike decided to build a hotel, we can probably already decide what the experience would we can already imagine what the experience would be like, right? Because Nike is a brand, but if Hyatt decided to build a shoe. We have no clue what it would be about because they don't have a brand. If I'm in a Hyatt or I'm in a Marriott or I'm in a this, that, or the other, there's no distinguishing factor about what hotel I'm in. And because of that, I price sort because if I can stay at five or six, 10 different places and the experience is basically all the same, then I price sort. That's not a brand. A brand commands a higher dollar because the experience is different. A brand stands out. A brand has a different user story when you have a brand. And the only thing that any of the air conditioning or plumbing or electrical companies in our industry stand for is we fix and we replace air conditioners, plumbing shit and electrical shit. And that's, that's all that they mean. So when you start talking about looking at a brand, and saying, what could I do to establish myself as a brand? We're establishing ourselves as a brand in Fixify Home Services is that, that we already have our first independently licensed location. We're working on five or six more right now. And ultimately the whole brand story here is that there's a new way to do business. There's a faster, easier, and more affordable, consumer-centric way to get things done. And that is the brand. And that is not an easy brand to compete with. And now you can stand out because now you are a different story than just everything is the same except for the truck wrap.
0: So Darren, tell our audience how they can contact Fixify to learn about this new way to transform their business.
1: Sure. So it's real simple. Just go to www.fixify.com and Fixify is F-Y-X-I-F-Y.com. And we'd be happy to connect with you and we can talk more. We are actively looking for licensed partners. So we will be in a market near you very soon and look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: Will you come back and visit with me?
1: As many times as you invite me.
0: I You have a standing invitation.
1: (laughs) It's been great. You know, I appreciate you and and your uh, outlook and your view. I've always been inspired by your candor. And uh, the fact that you would rather speak it like it is than necessarily say all the stuff that tickles everybody's ears. I appreciate that about you. Thanks, Aaron.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you for tuning in to Transforming the Trades. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained some valuable insights and tips for your trade business. If you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to check out our website where you can find additional resources and information to help you grow your business. Until next time, keep innovating and take charge of your success.